0: of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to pick a game out from the BGG Con library. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games that are great to play at conventions. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Cryptid, Hansa Teutonica, and Illusion. Then, we talk about our top 10 games that we love playing at conventions. And now here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode. This time next week, we will be at BGG Con. Yay! So, oh, wow. Ambie, I know you've been to BGG Con at least a couple times in the past. This will be your what? Yes, I think this is my 3rd year. Okay, and this is my very first time going to BGG Con. I am very excited. I know that they bring a lot of games back from Essen, mm-hmm. and they have a very large library, and mm-hmm. I'm just excited. Uh, so if any of you are going to be there, we would love to say hi. Also, the Inside Voices podcasting network. There are friends of the Inside Voices network, pretty hardcore, about as friends as you can be without being in the network. And they are hosting a meetup on Friday, November 16th from 6 to 10 p.m. in room number 1113. And we have joined up with them for that. We are kind of... Officially, unofficially part of that meetup now. Uh, so they are hosting it and they are, you know, kindly going to have some odd party games, snacks and other fun stuff going on. And there is a chance that Ambie and I might be recording a video while we're there. We're not sure. We're definitely recording a fun video during BGGCon. And we're going to need an audience for it. So I'm not. If, if it's not happening during that meetup for logistical reasons, we uh, please keep an eye on our social media if you're going to be at BGGCon, because trust me, this will be something that you will not want to miss. We hit one of our Patreon goals, and we're going to eat some really, really gross food. <laughs> <laughs> some sour stuff, some spicy stuff. Things will probably go off the rails, and I'm weirdly excited about it.
1: A couple of weeks ago, I had a game day where I got to play a bunch of new games to me. Uh, one of them was Cryptid, which was published in 2018. Yeah, that's, that's,
0: that's pretty new to everybody right <laughs> yeah, now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that one's
1: new to everyone. <laughs> the next one I'm going to talk about is just new to me, though. But yeah, so Cryptid was designed by Hal Duncan and Ruth Fevers. It plays three to five players in 30 to 50 minutes. We played it twice. The first game was about 15 minutes, and the second game was probably around 30 minutes. Gifted is an induction game. There's a map with a bunch of different types of terrain, like forest and mountain, or ones with animals. And one space is the space that everyone's trying to find. And everyone has one clue, and the clues are something like, the space is within one space of a forest or mountain, or the space is within three spaces of a building. And on your turn, you can ask a specific person if the space follows their clue, and they'll say, like, oh yes, it could be that space, or no, it's not that space, or... You can make a guess and if everyone says that yes it could be that space then that's the space and there's only one space that matches everyone's clue it was pretty interesting and i liked it a lot it's i haven't played a game with with induction like this so it's not like deduction where you know for sure if something is happening it's where there's like general hints of some it could be somewhere and as you get more information, you narrow it down to what space it is, and it works really well. And it was fun trying to guess the other player's rules, and then you're guessing that, oh, maybe this space will be what their rule is, and then they say no. And it's like, oh, okay, now I have to <laughs> rethink what I was thinking. And we would be close to the right answer, and then you try to you see where other people are guessing, and then you guess a similar space to them to try to get the actual space. So that was fun. There's also an advanced mode with more complicated clues, but I haven't played that yet. But that was cryptid.
0: Okay, so I had had heard some people talking online about this one. And at least one person was saying that they were concerned that the game was too easy to break. And I think the way they were describing it is that instead of asking other players questions, if, if a group of people just like walked around and just guessed like, picked Mm -hmm. spaces and was like is this it is this it is this it then the game could end really quickly kind of just by random chance so like based on your play of it do you feel like the game working is dependent on the players utilizing all of the tools does that make sense like for it to be fun i guess
1: so so if someone says no you have to put one of your cubes on a place that is not your clue so you're giving away information So if you're just guessing randomly, then there's a high probability of people saying no. And then you're going to have to give information to everyone else. Oh, okay. Because,
0: yeah, like they were saying, like, games ended really quickly because people just found the spot kind of by chance. Yeah, well, like
1: with any deduction type game, that can happen. But I don't think... Like, I don't think that would be the optimal play to do that. Okay. Maybe in a high player game, like, because other people, there's so many clues getting given, then maybe it's more likely that you'll be guessing places that are close to the actual answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so another game I played that is not going to be on the hotness at BGG (laughs) (laughs) was Hansa Teutonica, which was published in 2009 by oh my Art. gosh so old <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was designed by andrea Stedding and published by argentum Verlag. It's, it's bgg says two to five players but i thought it was three to five players so i'm not really sure what the actual player count is we played it three players in about one hour so we got hansa teutonica at a flea market last year for 12 dollars, which is a really good deal wow and we finally got to play it which is exciting. So in the game, you, there's a map on the board with different routes connected to cities and you're taking actions. You have these cubes that you can place on the routes or you can move your cubes around on the board and you're trying to fill the routes with just your cubes. But as if you fill the route, then you claim a city next to the route and you get points. So you're trying to just get a bunch of points to win. There's a bunch of different upgrade tracks and end game bonuses that you're going for too. But the interesting part is that Each space only has one cube, but you can displace someone else. So you block someone, but then they can displace your cube as an action, and so your cube gets knocked off that space for them to go on that space, but then when that happens, you get to move your cube somewhere else, and you get an extra cube to put on the board. So it's good for you to get displaced by someone else. So you're just trying to block people so that they'll displace you and you get extra cubes because otherwise it takes more actions for you. So... I thought that was really interesting, very interactive. And it has some feelings of area control with that routes, but I I think usually I don't like area control that much, but I like it in this game because you don't actually, like you can displace other people, so you don't really get blocked out. It just makes it harder for you to get it. Also, when people displace you, it's not bad for you because you just get extra stuff. So I guess I like... Area control with that type of trade off. So I liked Hansa Teutonica and I'm glad I got to play it. Yes, definitely.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Also, and just in case anybody didn't know, my comment about it being super old earlier was sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, in
1: board game years, (laughs)
0: You know what? Yeah, I think one one board game year equals like five regular years (laughs) as far as age goes. It feels like. I don't know. I I like talking about older games sometimes. Mm So you know what? Let's talk about something that's (laughs) brand new again. Uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this because I didn't think I would get to play it right away, but I did. So the game that I'm talking about is Illusion, which is the new small box game from designer Wolfgang Warsh, who you may have heard us talk about before for because he designed three games that got nominated for different spiel awards this year including the mind gans schon clever and the quacksalber von Quedlinburg. illusion uh is comes in the same size box kind of as the mind it's a tiny little box and it is a game where players uh, have a number of cards all of the cards have abstract shapes and lines and patterns on them. So it's like random amounts of four different colors, red, green, blue, and yellow. And on the back of every card is what percentage of the card is covered by each color. So for instance, there might be like 10% of the card is covered in blue, 23% is covered in yellow, and so on and so forth. So uh, when you play a card, you look at the cards that are already laid out and you can only see the pattern on the front of them. You have to put it Uh, in order based on one of the colors that was designated at the beginning of the round. So let's say yellow is the color for this round. You will look at how much yellow is on the card you have, and is it more or less yellow than the other cards that are already on the table? And you have to insert it into the line at the appropriate place, making sure that the percentages go from smallest to largest. Or if you don't want to play a card, and you think that someone else put a card in the wrong spot earlier, you can say... I don't believe it. And then all <laughs> of the cards get flipped over. And if there is any, or if there are any mistakes, you get to claim the card that has the yellow on it that designated for that round. And then play continues. Um, you can play until somebody has collected three of those cards or until you've used all 12 of those cards that exist in the game. When I played it, we used all 12 of them. And we had a ball. It was so much fun because all of the patterns, like they do interesting deceptive things with kind of like They're not really like puzzly or they're not like magic eye posters where you can't see Mm -hmm. things. But, you know, they like use visual tricks to kind of make it look deceptive, like curly cues and colors behind other colors in a way that like it's hard to tell most of the time. Uh, So we were questioning things and sometimes we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely more. And then we'd flip it over and it would be 5% less than the one we thought it was more than. This game, I worry about replayability, or I did before we played it. And now I actually kind of feel like it's not that bad. Because even if we'd seen the cards before, like if even if the cards came up again now and I saw one and I was like, oh, I remember that card. I don't think I would remember the percentages for each color very easily. Now, I assume Mm -hmm. if you played this over and over in a short period of time, then you may retain some of that information. So, and the deck is... It's not tiny, but it's not huge. So I feel like there will be a risk of replayability getting hindered uh, by that. But I still really liked it. And as far as like, quick party-style game for a smaller group or just a fun activity in between other games, I think this one's a real winner. So I know Pandasaurus picked it up for distribution in the U.S. I don't know if it is hit retail yet over here, so I'm not certain if, when it's going to be widely available. My local board game cafe had a demo copy, uh, but they didn't have any for sale. So hopefully mm. it's coming over soon. Uh, if you like, you know, small box, quick games like that, and you like visual puzzles or visual anything, (laughs) Uh, this is one I think you should check out. It was pretty neat. Um, And that is Illusion. All right, we know everybody, and that is human beings in general, love lists. We've discussed this before, and we don't do a lot of lists on this show. We don't want to be like everybody else. Except today we're doing a list, people, so get excited. (laughs) We are going to be ranking our top 10 convention games for us personally that means the top 10 games that we love to play when we go to a board game convention and we at least i cheated on a couple of my entries so but that's usual i cheated on my top 100 too so (laughs) i feel like i'm not capable of making a list without cheating at this point and i'm okay
1: with that i think it doesn't count as cheating because we define how we're making our lists so yeah (laughs) i like it so my number 10 is twilight imperium I'm not specifying the edition because I've played both 3rd edition and 4th edition at conventions, and I've only played 4th edition once, so... With me! Yeah. But yeah, the last few times that I've played Twilight Imperium has been at conventions. I I really like doing that because I don't own it anymore, and (laughs) that's the only time I get to play Twilight Imperium. And it's a really epic game. And lots of fun. Awesome. My
0: number 10 is one of my cheats. I am kind of grouping tiny games all together. So Mm -hmm. I, when it comes to conventions, I love just being able to whip out a game and play it without like having to make large decisions or go dig through a library or whatever else. Like if everybody's kind of just sitting around and you hit one of those moments where you're like, what should we do? And nobody knows. I like to have either my quiver or my purse or my pocket filled with tiny games Mm -hmm. that I can just grab and play. So that would include stuff like Chris Handy's Pack-O-Game games, or the Oink games from Japan, stuff like No Thanks, or other games like that that have a very small footprint and are easy to tote around. There are a lot of games, basically, that fit in this category Mm -hmm. that I like to play at conventions, so I've grouped them all together here. (laughs) And I would tell you about my number nine... But uh, it's higher up on Ambie's list. So I'm just going to point to her because I think she definitely, she did it. She, it's 100% her.
1: (laughs) And I would tell you about my number nine, but instead, I'm just going to stare at Crystal for the next couple seconds.
0: Okay, so my number eight is balderdash or depending on what edition of it you have beyond balderdash so i am talking about the party game that started as just making up fake word definitions and evolved to be a whole bunch of things like making up movie plots and weird laws across the country and acronyms and a whole bunch of other funny things. I love Balderdash. I kind of wish the player count was larger, but obviously logistically it would be tough because you have to read out everybody's answers every round. And so if you were playing with a large player count, it might get a little bit tough, but I just love Balderdash. And this game never ceases to amaze me in that, like, everybody I know, every single person I know is ridiculously clever. And it it's funny because I have friends who are like, oh, no, I'm not creative. I'm not clever. I'm not witty. And somehow you put balderdash in front of them and they write the most amusing <laughs> things every time without fail. I love it. It's great. I've been playing, I played regular Balderdash as a kid. I still play Balderdash today. Honestly, it's probably, aside from the Omega virus, it's probably one of the games that I've been playing the longest in my life. uh, And I will still play it just about any time. So that is my number eight, Balderdash.
1: My number eight, I cheated and have two games here, but I Used to play the Resistance Avalon a lot at conventions, and I would play with new people and have a lot of fun. And I've actually met a lot of people playing it. Um, it's a social deduction game where you're uh, on different teams, and it's a lot of fun. It used to be one of my favorite games. Actually, it used to favorite. be your yeah, said, yeah it my was your number game. one
0: game for a while, <laughs> yeah.
1: right? Yeah, yeah, before I like ranked games, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, back when there were no rules. <laughs> but after I played it a lot, it was more. Like if I play with new people, it got more frustrating because I wanted to play with people who know how to play already. So now I like Deception Murder in Hong Kong because I think that's better with strangers. It's a similar type of game where it's social deduction. There's one person that you're trying to figure out stuff, but also you don't really have to lie. So that's good for people that might not like lying or that you don't know if they like lying. So I think it's good in a stranger convention setting.
0: And Deception was my number nine. Um, So yes, I also like Deception Murder in Hong Kong, especially at conventions, because I think it's easier to get the larger player counts of this game Mm -hmm. together and played at a convention. And also it's a funny game to observe. And I played this, not this year at Dice Tower Con, but last year at Dice Tower Con with Roy Cannaday from Epic Gaming Night and a bunch of other people. And Roy was the investigator... And I was the murderer. And I don't remember what the clue was that he gave, but he put the, th- the little piece on what, something to give a clue. I don't remember how it was. It like led them away from me specifically. And I was the murderer, so he wanted them to come to me. <laughs> so then he removed that clue and put in a new one. And so he was trying to basically silently convey to them, no, no, it's Crystal. And I was able to convince the group, even after that clue was gone... I was like, well, what, well, well, wait, earlier he gave this clue about this thing, so it can't be this or this. <laughs> and everybody fully believed me, and Roy was so frustrated, and it was amazing.
1: My number seven is concept, which I actually haven't played keeping score before. I don't think almost anybody keeps score with concept. <laughs> yeah, but it's basically Pictionary with images that are already there. You don't have to draw. You're just placing things down to get the concept of the word that you're trying to guess and we just take turns being the person giving clues and play until we're done and we usually play at late night at convention when everyone's tired and doesn't want to do like a heavy strategy game or anything but it's a lot of fun just doing it because there's no set time period you can just do it until everyone doesn't want to play anymore
0: My number seven is The Mind, which I referenced earlier when I was talking about Wolfgang Worsch, and Ambie and I have both talked about extensively on the show because we both love it. In this game, you are playing cards in ascending order, cooperatively, and silently. So you have to stare at people until they play cards. And I weirdly like this one for conventions specifically because you are forced to be silent. And I, if you all didn't know, talk a lot, all the time. And I recognize that fact and my voice will eventually run out. So honestly, it's kind of nice to be forced to not talk for a little while because I like talking and (laughs) it's fun, but I just need to be hushed every now and then. And that game hushes me. And uh, this was your number nine.
1: Yeah, this was my number nine. Um, I also like it outside of a convention. So it's lower on the convention list because the convention for me is similar to my experience outside of conventions, but we've actually been loud playing it at conventions because when we get it, then we all yell and then people at other tables like look at over yeah. look, look over at us kind of funny. <laughs> I've had those moments too so. where for both myself and other
0: groups. Like You hear this loud cheer and you're like, what is happening? It's always the mind. If you hear yeah. a loud cheer, it's, it's always the mind. My number six is another cheat. I am kind of grouping together... Uh, what would have, like, Ambi's number 10, Twilight Imperium, would have fallen into this type of a group. It is epic games. Mm-hmm. So while Twilight Imperium is not included for me, because it is not one of my favorites, for me this is games like Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek Ascendancy, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Any of those big, epic games that take a while to set up, they take a while to play, they're usually just kind of huge endeavors. I always, almost always get to play at least one of those at conventions, if not more, and they are often the most fun experiences at conventions, even though I play a lot of smaller games and that's what I tend to gravitate toward. I love those big epic games. A game of Battlestar Galactica with all the expansions Mm -hmm. and Cylon leaders and everything. That just doesn't happen for me with my normal game group pretty Mm -hmm. much ever. So I like playing epic games at conventions as my number six.
1: My number six is Two Rooms and a Boom, which I pretty much only play with 10 or more people, which happens more at conventions than at like a regular game night (laughs) so how few can you play that with can you go lower than 10 i think you could do like maybe you could do six man that just does not sound like fun no yeah (laughs) so yeah so convention setting is you want a lot of people to play it's kind of hard to like have everyone learn the rules which is why it's a little lower on my list than in the top five but I have a lot of fun playing two rooms in a room. It is good at conventions. I think
0: my yeah. the reason it's not on my list is because for me it's very situational. It's good at conventions, mm-hmm. but I want to be in the right mood and with a, the right group of people. And when yeah. you when you need thirty people to make it fun, the chances <laughs> of them all being awesome are not always great. But I do like it, and if I'm with the right group, I have a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, my number five is a cheat. I guess we're calling them cheats. Yeah, but whatever. It's, <laughs> it's games that other people want to play with me. <laughs> so <laughs> Because Ambie is so popular no. and everybody wants to play games with her, and this is true because I'm
0: one of them, so
1: <laughs> So well this is like specifically games that I've talked about and other people are like, Oh, I wanna learn that game. Like eighteen thirty or Preto Porte or Dungeon Pets or something. So Which we like, still haven't played. <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah, but So this is right in the middle of my list because these are all games that I play normally too. But the reason that that they're good at a convention is that I get to meet up with people who I never see and completely new people, I can teach them the games and play with them at a convention because there's a bunch of people there. I like these games regularly, but also at a convention.
0: My number five is Rhino Hero, specifically Rhino Hero Super Battle, because you get to build a gigantic card tower, and that's just fun no matter how you swing it. And I honestly, I kind of like that. It it's great, got great table presence at a convention, and it kind of draws a crowd. And it's those though that moment where the the tower crumbles is is kind of like that mind moment where everybody just like oh you know because it's always I uh, I played it at. Um, what was formerly MeepleCon this past year, which is now Dice Tower West, and Nick Murphy was gonna place a card, and he like took a deep breath and exhaled really big. <laughs> like, <gasps> And, like, blew the whole thing over unintentionally. Like, so he hadn't even placed a card yet, and it was so funny. And it's great. I think even though I don't play a lot of games with kids, Rhino Hero Super Battle is completely, like, appropriate for basically all ages, assuming that you've got um, fine motor skills. So even small kids could play that one. So I think it's really family-friendly, and it's a lot of fun, and it's just silly. So that is why my number five is Rhino Hero Super Battle. (laughs) My number four is Wits and Wagers. And I will, I guess, kind of clarify that I like Wits and Wagers, Vegas. Uh, Edition the best, but really any Wits and Wagers will do. Uh, I think this one is best suited for conventions because you can play it with huge groups of people, assuming that you team up. And I think it's more fun on teams um, than playing by yourself because then you can kind of debate what your answers are. So in Wits and Wagers, you have to write, uh, there's always questions with numerical answers, and you have to guess what the numerical answer is. And it's always things that most people wouldn't know, like, how many? How much money did Harry Potter make at the box office when it first released? It's like nobody knows that off the top of their head. So you guess, and then you get to wager on which team or person uh, got the closest answer without going over, and then you win money. You're basically betting on the answers. And obviously by money, I mean fake money in a game, not real money. Although you could play with real money. But Board Game Blitz <laughs> does not condone gambling in games. Uh, but I guess if you really wanted to, you could. Wits and Wagers is great. Tom and the gang from the Dice Tower, which is us now also, run Wits and Wagers games, big scale ones at conventions. Sometimes I have helped them out with a couple of those. And those are always a lot of fun. And I've also played it not in a, you know, formal game show setting, but just at a convention because it's fun. So my number four, Wits and Wagers.
1: My number four is Werewords or Insider, which are both games that are based on 20 questions, but they have hidden roles. Where words has an app that has the different words that you're trying to guess. So I think Insider might actually be better at conventions because you don't need to hear an app playing. <laughs> and sometimes conventions can be pretty loud. So an Insider is just a deck of cards and with numbers on them, and then you, you get the word from that. I actually played Insider first at a convention, and it's a lot of fun just because I like 20 questions, like just trying to figure out the word. And then if you're the hidden person... You can, like, hide behind also pretending to try to figure out the word too. And people aren't focused on trying to find you as much. So it's less stressful than other, other hidden identity games, I think.
0: Yeah, this one would definitely be included in my tiny games category. Um, these <laughs> ones are great, for sure. Okay,
1: my number three is another category cheating thing. It's all the new games. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you mean by new games, Zambi? <laughs> so if... You've heard me talk about or, like, seen my blogs about conventions that I've gone to in the past. You might know that I play a lot of different games at conventions. Hold on. We're going to back that up a second.
0: When you, when Ambie says a lot, she means a lot. Like, I, I do not know. Like, I physically could not play that many games if I tried. And you, my dear, are a machine when it comes to <laughs> playing games at a convention.
1: Yeah, so... Toby and I like go around, we learn the rules and play games a lot. And we play a lot of two players so that we can like, just <laughs> finish them quickly. <laughs> but I have a list of games that I want to play that I haven't played yet and usually try out games at the library. And so conventions have libraries of a bunch of games that I don't own and I get to try without buying them. So I like trying all the new games. And especially like Con coming up has all the SM releases. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. So we'll get to try those too. My number three will probably not surprise
0: anybody. Actually, my my top three probably won't surprise anyone. <laughs> my number three is Heartthrob. I love Heartthrob. I love Trevor. I love all of the boys <laughs> in Heartthrob. I love forcing this game onto convention goers specifically. And seeing their befuddled faces as I explain how the game works, and then watching as they grow to love these stock photography teenage boys uh, just as much as I do. It is wonderful. And of course, I have my retheme Barkthrob as well, where we get to look at pictures of doggos and also some cats and burbs. Um, but, yeah, Heartthrob is great at conventions, especially because people walking by are see this, like, bright pink board <laughs> and these pictures of these teenage boys, and they're like, what is happening here? And uh, everybody always wants to play after I bring it out. So my number three, Heartthrob. All right, Ambie, when I say word, you say slam. Word. Slam. Word. Slam. Yeah, word slam is my number two. (laughs) Word slam is the best at conventions because you have one clue giver on each side. And then you can theoretically pack as many people behind them as you can physically fit into a space. So people and people can drop in. They can drop out. They can just do whatever they want. And it's amazing. Uh, It's always a big, raucous event. It is how I was introduced to the game. Like, I had never played Word Slam before, and I saw this big crowd of people all, like, crowded around at a long table, and I was like, what is happening over there? And I just jumped right in, and I loved it. So that is why my number two is Word Slam.
1: Yeah, this would probably be on my list if I remembered, but when I filtered to my plays, I think I've only played it a couple of times, so it wasn't near the top. Gotcha. But yeah, it's similar to Concept, which was my number seven. There you go. My number 2 is Unlock or other reusable escape room games. This I like playing these at conventions because then I don't have to buy them <laughs> because <laughs> because I I don't like having to buy games. <laughs> well, okay. So, I don't like always like all of the escape room games that much. So, I like Exit a lot more than Unlock. So, I like trying Unlock Out at conventions because otherwise I might not buy it because Toby and I won't be inclined to buy it because we don't like him as much.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. And then, yeah, I guess in theory, if you play one and you really love it and you think it's awesome, Mm -hmm. then you may still end up buying a copy even though you've already played it because then theoretically you could pass it off to other people or teach it to other people. All right. And we've reached our number one. And if anybody (laughs) knows anything about this podcast... They will probably know that you and I, we don't sync up on a lot of games. Like generally, <laughs> we don't like the same types of stuff on a daily basis always, but there is one thing that we agree on, and what is that, <laughs> Ambi?
1: Our number one convention game is Strike! Strike! <laughs>
0: Hooray! Strike is amazing. You all know. We've talked about it a whole bunch. It is amazing at conventions. It is amazing in your living room. It is amazing everywhere. (laughs) But it's the best at conventions because Mm. you can get a big group of people all around a table throwing dice into a... Throwing gladiators into an arena.
1: (laughs) Dice into an arena. Gladiators!
0: (laughs) And the new version called Impact, which is coming out, I am weirdly boycotting thus far in my brain (laughs) because it doesn't have a round arena and i'm mad about it but i still love strike and i will probably always have it with me at conventions going forward even though it's kind of a pain in the butt to bring because you can't like box it with other stuff but (laughs) i will always make room for strike both in my luggage and in my heart
1: yeah and like the rolling dice and taking names had a strike tournament at gen con and they've had it the past couple of years now. That was a lot of fun when we went
0: <laughs> Yeah, you guys went in 2017 twenty seventeen and Toby yeah, won the Toby tournament. Won.
1: Yes. Because yeah. he was very good at strike.
0: So I, did you I don't remember I didn't I don't remember hearing about who won this year, but I did hear yeah. that Gladiators in an arena did win again. So
1: still team Gladiators yes. in Arena. Forever. <laughs> And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. The all-new game in the Champions of Midgard world, Reavers of Midgard, is currently on Kickstarter and smashing through stretch goals. Head to Kickstarter to become a backer today. Gray Fox Games, quality games, cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as one dollar a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzkriegers directly. Head to Patreon.com/BoardGameBlitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, we're heading to a convention. We think it warranted a mention. Good, 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 good convention. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Trying to play cards in uh, sequential order. No, numerical order. Why do I always get those confused? (laughs) Sequential means one after another, and that's never what I mean when I say sequential. (laughs) Regardless, (laughs) you're trying to play cards in ascending order. That's what I wanted to say. It's alliteration time, everybody. Our little alliteration puzzle, which is inspired by Chip Beauvais' lit alliteration Twitter account uh, for last episode was to retheme a gateway game with hexagons for a feline who lives at a large, ornate church. What game were we asking you to retheme, theme
1: Cathedral Cat Catan.
0: That's perfect! And we actually had some uh, good, correct guesses for that one, too. Mm-hmm. So good job, those of you who got that one right. Uh, for this week... We are asking you to re-theme a game about obscure word definitions to be played on a second level terrace overlooking a fancy space where people dance. Good luck, everybody.